Thanks for tuning in to the Prime Bookseller Podcast, the bi-weekly podcast discussing all things Amazon bookselling. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Prime Bookselling Podcast. I'm Eric, and we're back with the second episode, and as promised, we're going to talk about what some people might see as a, why would you have an episode about FBA? Because everybody should know what FBA is, but we're doing this because A, I think a lot of people out there that are just beginning on this journey think of FBA as being just Amazon selling. And if that if you're one of those people, you are very wrong. Um, FBA is a special program within Amazon, and you are not knowledgeable about the rest of the programs within Amazon. You are basically cutting yourself out from half of Amazon book selling. To break this down, in the simplest form, what is FBA? FBA is when you sell products via the Amazon platform that you, instead of, there's basically two methods to selling products on it, on Amazon. Products that you ship out yourself and products that you ship to Amazon and Amazon does the fulfillment to the customer when the item sells. FBA would fall under that side of where you're shipping it to Amazon. So, so there is a very big difference now. It, when you research any sort of Amazon selling, everybody is going to tell you all you want to do is FBA. You don't even want to pay attention to the other chain, the option of shipping out by yourself, which to an extent I agree with, but there are, they both have advantages and disadvantages. And that's what I want to address mainly in this episode. What are the advantages of FBA? Well, number one is FBA obviously makes your business simpler. You know, because you find a profitable inventory to sell, you still send it into, you send ship it into Amazon and you're done. After that, Amazon pretty much takes over every step of the way. All you really have to do is wait for the money to come in. On the vice versa, if you use the other method of shipping, shipping where you have to ship the item out, you have to have whole infrastructure built in the background to, okay, the order comes in, Amazon's going to give you a certain period of time to ship that item out. You have to meet that deadline, get that item shipped out, get tracking to Amazon, or they're going to penalize you for not shipping it out on time. So you can see that basically half the fulfillment process is completely removed by using FBA, which is a huge advantage. And in the situation where the shipping carrier screws up, something gets lost, something gets damaged onto the way the customer in most instances, you're going to eat the money on the item for the most part. You may get a little bit of a reimbursement from Amazon. But Amazon, if the customer happens to leave like a negative feedback or something like that, Amazon is going to accept the responsibility in most situations for that negative feedback. They're going to, you'll go on and you'll look at your profile and it'll say the negative feedback, but then it'll be struck through by Amazon and Amazon will say, you know, this item was sold via Amazon FBA. We accept responsibility for the shipping issues with this item. So that's another perk. The biggest perk is what is known as the Prime Badge. And if you're a longtime shopper on Amazon, you're probably very familiar with this. Certain items that you buy on Amazon carry a Prime Badge and other items do not. And basically what the Prime Badge is, is you automatically get the Prime Badge when you're shipping it into FBA. That means you get, you're basically tied into Amazon's logistical network and they, it's kind of a badge of honor that the item is going to get shipped timely and get to you in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, for the longest period of time, it was always two days, but 
ever since COVID happened, that's kind of gone away and a lot of people aren't getting it in two days, but it's still, it's still much more timely than a lot of other delivery carriers. And the reason why that's a significant advantage is because, especially in the media space, it seems like there is a gap between a merchant-fulfilled seller, somebody that does not carry that Prime badge, will sell the book at one price. And a person that's carrying that Prime badge will can sell that book at a significantly higher price and still get a sale over the, the other seller because it carries that Prime badge. Um, basically... If you want an explanation for that, the explanation I would give is is that there are a ton and ton of people on Amazon that are Amazon Prime members, and they will typically, not all Prime members, but a lot of Prime members will only buy items that carry the Prime tag for whatever reason. Um, The other significant issue, which we'll cover this in a later episode, is, is that a lot, a lot of the sales drop get driven through on Amazon through the buy box. And you are as of today, you are significantly you have a significantly higher chance of winning that buy box by being an FBA seller than you do by being a non-FBA seller. Basically, because you're gonna be in the buy box on your items more often, you're gonna get more sales. So Basically, what we're looking at is with the FBA program, you can typically sell an item at a higher cost, at a higher price to the customer, and you will actually sell the items faster in many instances because of that prime badge. So those are significant, significant advantages over being a merchant fulfilled seller, which is the other, which is the non-prime seller, non-prime badge seller. So with that said, it obviously seems like, well, I'm going to sell everything FBA. I mean, why would I ever do anything different? Well, that's where the downsides of FBA come into play. And this is, a, this is if you know somebody who is not an Amazon bookseller but sells in some other fashion on Amazon, these downsides are not nearly as, other categories are not nearly as affected today by these restrictions as booksellers are. And the reason for this is is because um, with the success of the Amazon FBA program, all these people sending items into their warehouses, their warehouses become overwhelmed and their staff cannot get items checked in fast enough. They just, I mean, they're, they're just working around the clock and never catching up with everything that people are selling, sending in. So because of that, Amazon has taken a strong look at, okay, we want to create our warehouses and optimize them so that the most profitable, fastest moving items are coming into the warehouse and going right back out. So as soon as one item comes in, there's another item being sold and and going out. With books, books, the whole nature of books is it's a very, very long tail business. What that means is most of the profitable books that you're going to sell, they're not an in and out type product. They're they're what they what is known as a long tail product. And if you're curious about learning about long tail products, there's a great book called The Long Tail that you can read, and it talks about different businesses that use long tail product, have a long tail business model. But essentially, what that is is that you sit, you find a profitable book, you set it, 
You send it into Amazon and it's going to sit there. It might sit there for 30, 60, 90, 180 days before that right, that one buyer that wants that book is going to come along and scoop that book up. And because it's such a niche and such a, and such a long tail product, long tail products typically demand a much larger price than a non-long tail product, but it just happens to take a longer time for them to sell because there's just not as many people looking for it. So basically, think of it as you have a widget and that widget, you buy it for $2. Well, now if you're in a non-long tail product, you'll, you'll sell that $2 product for $7 and you'll make $5 on it, but you're going to sell 100 of them in a month. A long tail product is more like you buy that product for $2, you might sell it for $20, but a seller is only going to come come along once, twice, once, maybe once a month, maybe not even, maybe once every other month to buy that product. So basically what that means is that as a bookseller, you want to be holding inventory. You have to hold inventory and you have to build up a bank of books to be able to start generating the sales you need to build a reliable business. Well, with the FBA program, Amazon hates that because they don't want that stuff sitting in their warehouse. They want it to come in and they want it to go right back out. So they have, and we'll cover these two things in more detail in further episodes, but they have what's called a restock limit and an IPI score. Now, the restock, both of these things are going to change slightly come in the next few months. So we'll probably have a completely different episode that's going to talk about the new system that they're using. But as of today, they have these two things. IPI score, that measures how much stuff you can send into their warehouse. And, and so you basically get this score. And if you're over a certain score, you can send in unlimited stuff. But if you're below that score, then they start tethering how many square feet you can send into the warehouse. The IPI score is not a big deal for Amazon booksellers. For the most part, I constantly have unlimited storage. Where the problem comes in is with this restock limit. And my understanding of the restock limit is restock limit is looking at how much bandwidth their staff has to check in items. And they're going to restrict how much you can send in based on how much bandwidth they have. The stupid thing about the system they have built right now is that they just say, okay, you can have X amount of items within, you can have X amount of items in the warehouse right now because that's all we have the team to do. So the problem is, is that if they say you can ship in 1,500 items and you already have 1,500 items there, you can't ship in anything. Whereas... My understanding of what they're trying to accomplish is should be saying you can only ship in 100 items a month because that'll keep that's a sufficient amount that's not going to backlog our staff. But neither here or there, this is the process they, they use. So tons and tons of people out there right now are throttled by how much inventory they can ship in as a bookseller. And this is why it's important to differentiate Next week, we're going to talk about the MFN system of selling, which is basically where you don't carry that prime badge. And you're going to see that as a bookseller, you want to be looking at both these models because as you scale, you should definitely start in the FBA side. 
But as you scale and you start running into these problems where you can't ship into Amazon anymore, then you want to pivot over to MFN so that you can continue to grow your business, even though, despite the throttles that they're putting on you in the FBA network. Basically, the moral of this is, is that when you're starting out, if, if, this, if you're a brand new seller right now, I'm going to tell you, you want to focus completely 100% on FBA. You are going to get enough, as of today, everybody gets at least 1,000 units that they can ship into Amazon. And I would tell you, take, can, take advantage of that. Use all 1,000 of those spaces. But once you fill those 1,000 spaces up, yeah, maybe your selling performance, maybe your selling performance will be a little bit better than mine and you'll be able to raise that restock limit up a little bit and you'll be able to continue to grow. But it's it's not an easy thing for a bookseller to do. And I'm not saying it can't be done. Personally, in my businesses, it, I, I never accomplish it very well. And... I mean, they do go up, but then you come to Christmas and they slap them back down again and you can't send anything in. So it's just it's just a huge hurdle. So, but I would start with the FBA side of things, grow that up. But in the back of your mind, be thinking about, okay, how much bigger do I want to grow this? And if I do want to grow this, at some point, I'm going to have to pivot over to the MFN model. And if I do pivot over to the MFN model, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to keep up on shipping out the orders on time? Where am I going to keep all these books? Do I need to get a warehouse? Do all these all these different things you should be thinking about if you're legitimately thinking about scaling this business. Maybe 1,000 books is way more than you'll ever need to sell. But if you're approaching this business model as something you want to do as a full-time business, you need to understand both models and figure out the best way to make them work within your business. So I'm going to conclude the FBA model right here. Um, on the next episode, we will talk further about MFN in some of the, because there are a number of advantages as well to MFN that, that I think are very, very worth mentioning. And we'll talk about those in the next, the next session. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you have questions, comments, or anything about that, uh, you can reach out to me. My email is sales, S-A-L-E-S, at kings, K-I-N-G-S, ridge, R-I-D-G-E, media.com. Um, as well, please leave a review on your favorite podcast player if you enjoy this podcast, and we will be back in two weeks to talk about the Merchant Fulfilled Network. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Prime Bookseller Podcast. Join us for the next episode as we discuss all things Amazon bookselling.